everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. And I'm Jen Williams, also with the Department of Communication. Today, we're going to cover a very important topic, addiction and the stigma related to it. Now, before we dive into that, be sure you take a look back at any episodes of The Wrap you may have missed. You can find the shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. New episodes debut weekly and can also be found as part of the Michigan Medicine YouTube channel and the headlines we can review. With that, let's begin our discussion on addiction with our three special guests. Um, can the three of you please first introduce yourself, starting with Dr. Blow. Hi, I'm Fred Blow. I'm professor of psychiatry and the director of the University of Michigan Addiction Center at Michigan Medicine. I'm Mario Nanos, co-founder of Washington the Washtenaw Chapter of Families Against Narcotics, the acronym is FAN. And I am Mike Ramsdale, here because of a documentary film I made. Outstanding. Now, Dr. Blow, let's start with you. Can you tell me more about the U of M Addiction Center and its partnership with Washtenaw Families Against Narcotics and Under the Hood Productions, which I know the three of you are, are teaming up for an upcoming event? Sure. So the University of Michigan Addiction Center has a three-part mission. Uh, we provide state-of-the-art, evidence-based uh, treatment for people with serious substance use problems. Uh, it's largely a, a outpatient, intensive outpatient program. And we have a, a sister program, which we just uh, started in the last year at Michigan Medicine, which is an inpatient addiction consult service. So we provide comprehensive treatment for people suffering from addiction. We also conduct state-of-the-art groundbreaking research across a wide range of topics related to addiction, from prevention to treatment, from understanding uh, brain mechanisms and development, uh, and a wide range of other topics that are relevant to trying to uh, stop addiction in the population. And then our third mission is to uh, uh, provide treatment, sorry, provide education for individuals to uh, train our next generation of treatment providers, of researchers, uh, of the general uh, public. And so part of what we're trying to do with uh, an event like the one that's coming up on February 22nd at the Michigan Theater in, in Ann Arbor is to really get out to, into the community and to, to talk about addiction, to start having a, a broader dialogue with the community, with other stakeholders. We've been really fortunate to have connected with Mario Nanos about now three and a half years ago, uh, who has started the local chapter of Families Against Addic sorry, sorry, Families Against Narcotics, uh, a really great grassroots program. He's going to talk a little more about that in a minute. But you know, really trying to get out and and help people in the community who may be suffering from. Uh, narcotic addiction themselves or have family members or other caregivers or other concerned others uh, having problems or, or knowing people that have problems and trying to address those uh, in a really grassroots kind of way, helping them connect to treatment, expand treatment, those kinds of things. We've been really fortunate to have lots of, of interactions with Mario over the last few years. Mike Ramsdale is a, a award-winning uh, documentary maker, uh, you know, filmmaker who uh, you know, we connected really through Mario uh, and has developed a or, or produced a really uh, compelling uh, film, which Mike will talk about a little bit more in a minute, um, that really addresses addiction, uh, even though that the, the topic is around a champion boxer. 
but it really is the interplay of addiction and stigma. And so really coming together for this exciting event where we will be having at, at the beginning a, an art show in the lobby of the Michigan Theater of people who are in recovery from addiction, followed by a screening of the documentary, We Can Be Heroes, which is a really compelling documentary, then followed by a uh, expert panel of uh, individuals that will include the subject of the documentary, uh, Taylor Dewar, as well as Mike Ramsdale, the filmmaker, but as well as other notable people, the director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse, Nora Volkov will be present. Our local representative, Debbie Dingle will be present. Um, uh, UM Regent, uh, Denise Illich uh, will be present. All and, and many other people, treatment providers from our uh, addiction center, other individuals, other stakeholders, really to talk about how we need to stop the stigma of addiction by talking about it, by addressing it in a broader way than just um, having people suffer within the context of their own addiction. So that's kind of what it's all about. Um, we're starting at seven o'clock on the 22nd of February uh, at the Michigan Theater and, and it's easy to get tickets. We'll talk about that at the end. Awesome, thank you so much for that, Dr. Blow. Um, now, Mario, can you tell us a little bit more um, about Families Against Narcotics and the role that it has in the Washtenaw community? Sure. So uh, Families Against Narcotics and in particular, particular the Washtenaw chapter, uh, we started it, now it's going on three and a half years. It'll be four years in September of this year, and I can't believe it's been that long, but uh, coming up on four years ago, my son died from an overdose. He was prescripted uh, opioids, became addicted to those, to that drug, and uh, I won't bore you with this, with the entire story, but a year and a half later, he was found dead in a hotel with a needle in his arm, uh, having injected it himself. Uh, no prior run-ins with the law. Um, it, it's just a tragedy that we're still working through. Um, and I thought to myself after my son died that um, we've got to do something. We've got to do something so that people know They've got access to people who will listen, people who will, who will help make connections in the community in which they live, um, people who will, uh, you know, I guess this is a good segue into what FAN does. We uh, have all kinds of, of programs that we offer, and everything I'm about to describe is free. Yoga for recovery. We just... Uh, did a pilot program of trauma-informed yoga. And at some point, maybe Fred can talk about why that's so important. A lot of people who are battling an addiction has su have suffered some form of trauma. Uh, you know, there was a triggering event that prompted that. And uh, we uh, offer free bus passes through the Ann Arbor Area Transportation Authority. We pay for them and we give them away to people in need. Why do we do that? We pulled the healthcare professionals in the community and identified a gap in the system that oftentimes people 
in recovery don't have wheels. So all you got to do is go to our website, ask, we, we pre-qualify you. You know, we want to make sure that there's a need there. And if you pass through those gates, you've got a 30-day pass. Um, exercise for recovery through uh, a couple of different partners in that regard. Why do we do that? There's a linkage between exercising and a lower relapse rate. And um, just clothing, shoes, that type of thing. But I think one of the most important things we do is we educate. We hold monthly meetings on the second Monday of every month. Um, the one on the 22nd isn't on the second Monday, but that's because that's when the theater was available. But other than that, it's the second Monday of every month. And we try to educate on a variety of topics. Um, we identified stigma as an important thing to focus in on uh, in, in this year, 2022, because uh, it has been identified as a primary barrier to uh, people accessing the care they need to start healing up. And just very briefly, I wanted to talk about the connection between Fred, Mike, and me. It's just kind of serendipitous. I had this guy with the beard here reach out to me, who I had never met, and he had heard about the, the things we do in Washtenaw County. And I'm not going to steal Mike's thunder, but he had talked about what he wanted to do with the film in terms of helping people in recovery, that maybe there was a place for his film to help people battling uh, an addiction. And I asked him to send me the film. And after I watched it, what struck me was the way that Taylor, and that's the, the boxer in the film, how his addiction made him feel, and I'm paraphrasing here, but less of a person. And how he, the reason he boxed was to affirm him as a person. That's the extent to which this disease affects your being. And, and I thought, we got to do something about that. And that's when I called uh, Fred and I said, how about we pull something together with Mike Ramsdell, this documentary filmmaker. We'll get the University of Michigan Addiction Treatment Center um, to collaborate with us. And let's go see if we can um, stomp out stigma. Yeah. Now, before we we talk to Mike a little bit more about the, the film itself, Mario, can you just talk a little bit more about stigma and, and dive into that? And, and how does stigma prevent people from getting the help they need? Yeah, I mean, stigma as it pertains to addiction, and I, I wouldn't mind having Fred chime in too about this, but I think the, the stigma is going to start to decrease and go away as it pertains to addiction when we start choosing our words more carefully. So that, in, you know, uh, we just produced a stigma workbook that's designed for people, healthcare professionals, colleges, universities, prosecuting attorneys, engineers, families and friends. And Dan, it is replete with quotes from people in recovery on how the words that 
they that were being used to to um, I, you know to identify their disease junkie addict. Um, I mean, it's just it goes on and on. And I guess I would ask everyone here if the if these labels were being used to identify you with a healthcare problem that you had, how um, motivated would you be to reach out to a guy like Fred and say, I need some help? You're not going to do that. You know what you're going to do? You're going to isolate. And by the way, this is why COVID has had such a damaging impact on people battling this disease because they're already isolating due to the stigma associated with the disease. And then to have a mandated isolation quarantine placed on you, is it any wonder why we've got a record number of deaths associated with overdoses? And I think what we're going to, in fact, we are seeing it, and I don't think it's going away anytime soon, is COVID's going to leave a wake of mental health and drug-associated um, overdoses that um, it's going to take us a long time to get through it. So you know, I might just add, sorry, Mario, no, I would just ahead. add that you know, the destruction of stigma comes from within individuals and also comes from other individuals in our communities. You know, within individuals, people have tremendous shame and guilt around their addiction, around their use of substances. And it's often people feel like they are not worthy. They are a bad person. They are morally defunct because of that. And people around them, because of language and because of actions, often reinforce that kind of feel. And that prevents people from getting life-saving treatments. You know, I think back to the time many years ago now with our own Betty Ford, who is the president's wife, First Lady Betty Ford, back in the late 70s, had breast cancer. And before she had breast cancer, there was lots of stigma associated with cancer, that somehow you might catch it or you did something wrong because you have cancer. This is the late 70s we're talking about, or even earlier. Uh, I think it's late 70s, yeah. And, and she came out as a breast cancer survivor, and it changed everything. It changed how we talked about breast cancer. We were able to now have a dialogue about breast cancer. We painted planes with pink ribbons because we wanted to make it aware of it in the community. She also had a serious alcohol problem, defined herself as an alcoholic, and came out as an alcoholic during about the same time. And look where we are now around addiction compared to what we are, we are around breast cancer. In terms of our ability to talk about it, have open conversations, to smash the stigma related to it, we are still very far behind in terms of encouraging people to come forward to get treatment to really smash that stigma. So, you know, we're 40, 50 years later and we're still having these conversations. It's time for us to do something about it. We need to be doing things proactively. And I, that's the motivation. Yeah. And I, Dan, to, to uh, piggyback off of Fred, just to relay a story from you regarding my son, whose name was Yanni. And for Greeks out there, you know that that's John. Okay. But Yanni, a uh, couple of things. He 
called me. Uh, he got his first job. This was in California where he was in recovery. And he got his first job in a, uh, it was like a place where you can get drinks, not alcohol related, but like slushies of some type. And uh, he called me a couple of weeks after he got that job. And he said, I need some advice from you, dad. And I said, sure, what's up? And he said, you know, the owner of the business, his name is Mo, called me and offered me a ride home from work to go back to my place. And, you know, I, I'm riding a bike now until my car gets here. And I, uh, he offered, he saw I was jumping on a bike and riding home. And at that point in time, the ride home was a couple of miles. And he said, I don't think I want to get a ride from him. And I said, well, why not? Does he have a car, a truck? No, he's got a pickup truck. And he told me to throw the bike in the back of the pickup truck. And I said, then what? Just throw your car in the back. And, you know, you always want to get to know the boss man better, right? Throw the bike in the back of the truck and, and go. And, he, and I said, what's the problem? And he said, well, when we get to my, where I'm staying, he's going to see that I'm in a sober living home. And that there are people out there, you know, we might be smoking, we might be congregating outside, and that's going to prompt him to ask me questions. And then I'm going to have to tell him why I'm here. And I was like, what I was thinking but not telling him was, are you kidding me? This is what's going through your mind? And I just said, I said, Yanni, I got a feeling Mo's a pretty good guy, okay? And my advice to you would be to just let it play out. You don't have to say yes right now, but in due course, I bet you're going to end up having a pretty good friend in Mo. And in the end, Mo ended up being an amazing friend to Yanni. So I share that story with you because this is, this is how people battling this disease process this. You know, think about it was just a ride home, guys. This wasn't picking up the phone and calling Fred Blow and saying, I need group therapy. I need, this was just a simple ride home. So I wanted to share that with you because sometimes we learn more from sharing our stories than we do from reading a book. So Mike, um, I'm going to kind of put you on spot now. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about your film, uh, We Can Be Heroes, and how it addresses the addiction stigma? I can. Um, it was not intended to address addiction stigma. It was made just to explore the story of Taylor Dewar, who was a friend of mine. I trained with him at a gym. I got to know him. Um, I knew of his struggles um, with substances. And I also knew he was an incredible boxer and a loving father and a loving son and a really good person. Um, and I have never struggled with addiction. I smoked longer than I should have, and I probably drink more coffee than I should. 
but I've not had a substance abuse issue in my life, nor in my immediate surroundings. And the stigma that Mario and Dr. Blow speak about um, those words of, well, you're just weak or you should just quit or you don't give a shit about anybody else or those kinds of things. Taylor stood in the absolute defiance of those. He was not weak and is not weak. He is the epitome of strength. Um, he's not adverse to pain. His profession kind of comes with it. Um, he's obviously a very loving person. If you've ever seen him around his friends or especially his daughter, and so what usually inspires me into the process of making a film, because it's a very long process and you don't know how it's going to end. Um, and it's not always the easiest process to get to the end is if it's a topic that I think is socially important and relevant. And if it's a journey I as a person need to go on. And that is a journey I needed to go on because I don't understand addiction and I'll be hundred percent candid and that I still don't understand addiction. Um, what I do understand is it's a wildly complicated issue that requires a lot more than the surface level um, stereotypes that we're talking about here and only getting through those stereotypes. Can we then allow the conversation to happen at a much deeper level, a much more compassionate level, a much more accurate level. And hopefully from that conversation, then we can start to right some of the wrongs that Mario and Dr. Blow have spoken about. So that was, that was just kind of my impetus. And then the reality is, is that as a filmmaker, you need something that is photographable. You need something that is interesting. You need something that is engaging. Um, I believe that if I had just set out to make a film about stigma and about addiction, then it probably would not have found a very wide home. Those tend to be more uh, reduced to academic type films where you preach to the choir. Apologies if you can hear my dogs in the background. Um, and so by making it about a boxer, um, especially one as charismatic as Taylor, it broadens the audience. Um, that gets a much wider, throws a much wider net some like to refer to it as the pill within the cheese kind of thing. People think they're watching a boxing film or just a really good documentary, but by the end of it, you've then opened them up to a much deeper conversation about addiction. I'll let the audience decide what they think about all of that. But I have learned in my years of socially driven documentary filmmaking that the more you focus on the academic element of the subject, the more you narrow your audience. And so this is the dream scenario where you get to put the film you know, what Dr. Blow does and what Mario does are incredibly important, um, but they're only going to receive people when they're, you know, when they're ready to be received. Whereas when you can put a film up, that's going to draw a much wider audience that maybe wouldn't necessarily reach out to Dr. Blow or Mario or even feel that they needed to, but then can then participate in the kind of conversation that I know we're going to have after the film. Um it's a, it can be a really powerful combination. I've seen it. I've been doing this for about 20 years now, and uh, I'm always overwhelmed and honored to be part of anything like this because the impact, it's a very palpable energy that gets created in the room. Um, and then when you capture that energy and then give it the intellectual and the academic kind of uh, stepping stones that Dr. Blow and Mario have worked so hard to put together, then you, you literally can, can make a difference. Um, even if that's only in one person. I mean, I'm a father. I hear Mario's story. I can't even imagine. And I'm 
couldn't be more honored to be participating in something with these gentlemen because their heart and their desires are all in the right place. And so, yeah, that's kind of how this all came together from my perspective. I wanted to add one more thing, and that is that um, in instances where I talk about this publicly at meetings or events, I typically will start off by saying, before I introduce myself, I just want to ground everybody by asking this question. How many of you here, your life has been impacted either directly or directly by someone battling an addiction? Please raise your hand. And I will tell you that it's never less than three quarters of that audience. Then I'll take it a step further. Um, and I'll say, but we don't talk about it. And I'll say, if any of you want to let everybody else here know why you don't talk about it, raise your hand. And invariably, there's a few people who will raise their hand, and I'll point over to them and I'll say, why don't you talk about it? I don't want anybody knowing I'm a bad mother. So do you see this, this linkage between the disease and being a bad parent, this linkage between these negative things that are never going to allow someone to get past asking for help. And Fred, I don't know if you want to add anything to it, to what I've said, but. I think you've captured it. It's, I mean, this is exactly what we're trying to do to start that conversation. I think that it's showing that it affects the mindset of not only the person going through it, but those immediately connected to them as well, right? Absolutely, Dan. Absolutely. It affects families, friends, communities. And by the way, this is why I will, you know, oftentimes you'll hear academics and others say it's a family disease. Okay, that, that's true. It affects the person with the disease. It affects the families. It affects friends. But I'll take it a step further and say it's a community disease and that the only way we're going to build that bridge from where we are today to where we need to be is by doing things like what's happening on the 22nd at the Michigan Theater where, you know, uh, Dan and Jennifer, one of the reasons we're hosting works where we've invited artists to share their work is because they're like you and me. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're no different. And I've seen some of the art that these people have created. It's phenomenal. It's my understanding we have a nationally known graffiti artist who's going to be exhibiting his stuff. We've got a uh, harpist who is a substitute harp, harpist and one of the symphony orchestras in the area. I mean, this is these are phenomenal people who we have to get past that stigma. And that's the goal on the 22nd. Awesome. Um, Mike, I want to ask you a quick question um, about your experience um, doing the, during the film. I know that you mentioned that it's a journey for you um, to also kind of take when you are doing such a personal uh, film. So I just want to see now that the film is completed, kind of can you tell us a little bit about how you're feeling now that you've been through that journey um, and that you've kind of immersed yourself into um, this film and, you know, the, the addiction stigma? I, I will tell you that the answer to that question would probably be a day-to-day -day 
differentiation. So I'm going to try to reflect for a second and give you an answer that encompasses the overall. Um, I always enjoyed Taylor, but when you make a film with somebody, you're spending every day with them and they're putting in a tremendous amount of trust in you. And so you get to know them at a level. I'm going to use the word intimate um, because you do, you just know them inside and out. And, and that's where I will be forever grateful. So I felt, you know, I have a deep, deep love for Taylor door. Um, and it is heartbreaking to see uh, he's, <laughs> you just don't know every time the phone rings, what's going to happen, what the phone call is going to be. Uh, I'm not speaking out of turn. He is admitted and talks about in the film, his struggles and his relapses. Um, those relapses are horrific. The first thing you want is to know they're alive. Um, but then you're so, and excuse my French, furious with them for the damage that they did and the way they did it and the decisions they made. But then you understand Mario gave me the phrase that addiction is a disease of the decision-making process and who can't relate to, this is probably, this is where I'm going to, this is where I'm, this is my answer. This is if you want to edit everything else out, this is my answer. Who can't relate to the need to be feeling validated? Who can't relate to the feeling of being isolated? Who can't relate to the feeling of just being, what the hell does it mean to be a human being and who am I here? And the pain, everybody associates those feelings differently and it can be incredibly painful for some people. I've had incredibly painful times in my lives. I'm sure everybody has on this. My biological reaction was not to turn to a substance to deal with that. I turned to maybe things equally unproductive whatever it was, but the thing I turned to wasn't going to kill me if I wasn't careful. And that is where I think I've probably come out of this, this journey is just realizing how much more gentle and compassionate we need to be with each other. And that sounds so cliche. And when I say it, I wish I had something way more interesting to articulate, but I don't. When I see Taylor and if I'm furious with him, or if I just want to wrap my arms around him and squeeze him and tell him, I'm so glad you're alive or whatever it may be. If I can just remember to be gentle, if I can just remember to be forgiving, if I can just remember to be compassionate at a level that I probably was not going into this film. Um, that's probably where I landed at the end of it. Am I, have I mastered that yet? No. Uh, but it is at the forefront of my mind and hopefully if we can give everybody just a little bit of sense of that when they come out of this movie, um, especially those struggling with it, you know, Taylor's motivation was that he wanted people because he was incredibly vulnerable in this film and has put himself literally on a screen in front of thousands of people to say, go with me through my journey of struggle. Um, his objective was for people to be able to say uh, that are struggling with addiction there is another, you know, I can keep going. There is, there is hopefully an end to this. My motivation was for those like me who haven't had to deal with addiction to have a better understanding of how to deal with it. And if, if we can come together with those struggling with addiction to just be a little bit more gentle with themselves and be able to reach out and those who are struggling to understand addiction to just be a little more gentle in their approach. Um, that's what I came away from this journey with. And it seems to be a helpful 
takeaway. So hopefully others will come away with that too. That's, that's really beautiful. And, you know, understanding that people don't have, um, people need more compassion, right? Because people don't experience life and pain and suffering in the same way. Um, so I, I definitely appreciate you sharing that. Um, and, you know, for those out there listening, just turn that compassion knob just a little bit higher, um, you know, in your everyday interactions with everyone, because you never know what someone is going through. Now, let's bring this full circle, Dr. Blow. I want to bring it back to you. Uh, what are your hopes that this event will bring to the Ann Arbor community, the Michigan medicine community? What sort of are you looking forward to um, for this event on February 22nd? I think the title of the film says it all. We can be heroes. And we can be heroes for those that are facing addiction, that are having the problems that we've been talking about, and really, we can start getting rid, of a, getting rid of stigma as the first step to helping people resolve their problems and get into stable recovery. And I'm hopeful that this event will begin a conversation more broadly about how do we do that? How do we do that within ourselves, in our families, in our communities? We're very hopeful that we will be able to uh, turn this event into a roadshow. So we're in the process of trying to seek funds to uh, do it in other communities, maybe in college campuses, uh, really thinking through how can this be uh, brought throughout the state of Michigan and then maybe even nationwide. I think the format is something that's exciting. I think people will get a lot out of it. Uh, if people are interested in coming to the event, again, it's on Tuesday, February 22nd at the Michigan Theater. Tickets are required, but they're free. And you can easily get tickets at, uh, through our website, umaddictioncenter.org, is uh, one of the ways people can get tickets easily. Uh, COVID restrictions will apply so that people will need to show a vaccination card and wear a mask uh, per uh, Michigan theater policy. Uh, but I think it's going to be a very exciting event. We have uh, several hundred uh, tickets already dispersed. I think we're going to have a large uh, group and it's going to be a really exciting time to really get to some of the core issues that we're trying to struggle with and to, to get out the uh, idea that we can do something about stigma. Thank you so much for sharing the details of this event and why it's so important. If you want to learn more about the free We Can Be Heroes event at the Michigan Theater, go to umaddictioncenter.org. That's umaddictioncenter.org. All right, Dr. Blow, we're not quite finished with your part of the conversation. As always, we ask one of our guests four quick fire questions that they haven't seen before as part of the lightning round. So are you ready to go? Sure. All right. So what is your favorite part of your current job? Working with young investigators. I love mentoring and I love really figuring out ways to help them in their careers and to really generate our next generation of, of stars. All right. We're going to lighten the mood a little bit. I know we've had a pretty heavy episode here. The Winter Olympics, of course, are going on right now. If you could play one Winter Olympic sport, what would it be and why? Oh, it's ice skating. Come on. It's, you know, you see these guys. It's unbelievable. 
uh, what Chen's been able to do. I mean, it's really, really uh, inspiring to me. Downhill scary, skiing is a little scary for me. It's too fast. I don't, you know. But otherwise, or bobsledding, I don't think so. Uh, but I've been know. into the, the I'm into the luge and like the skeleton going headfirst down the the luge course. Yeah, exactly. The luge. I, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I now have a vision of Dr. Blow on skis at the top of a hill getting ready to go down, and I will yeah. never lose that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and well, that view from the top of the hill, and, like, it's so steep. And I'm like, how do you – like, who would even have the idea, let's go down that hill? I would just be like, nope, that's not happening. <laughs> I want to ask Mario and Mike, so what Olympic sport would you do? <laughs> go ahead, Mike. You take that one first. <laughs> Summer Olympics or Winter Olympics? Winter Olympics. I mean, I, I, I think I would. I'm nowhere near that kind of skier, but I think that like giant slalom would be an incredibly exciting, exhilarating lifestyle to lead. Um, <laughs> I don't have that in me. I live a little bit away from Mount Brighton and I never go to it. So that's that's just a pipe dream. Although a luge, ah, yeah, I'll be the downhill giant slalom skier in my in my other life. So for me, without any hesitation, I played hockey competitively many years ago and uh i would be playing ice hockey that's what i would be doing nice you would be an olympic champion of ice hockey <laughs> yes i would be yes i would be the 1980 team right mario the 1980 team i watched that i can remember that unfold with al michaels doing the uh the ending of that uh, this, that was memorable yeah oh yeah yeah all right, um, Dr. Blow. So as we know, the Olympics are taking place in Beijing. What is the most interesting place you have traveled in your life? Oh, well, it actually, I think um, the sites around Beijing. So I had the great opportunity through our uh, Michigan Medicine collaboration with Peking University to be working on uh, some things related to addiction in uh, U.S. and China and had the opportunity to go to the Great Wall and many other sites are around uh, Beijing. It's an amazing place uh, to Xi'an, the uh, terracotta warriors. Um, you know, really some, some very different things that, um, you know, I, I think is real, are really, really interesting. But I could go on and on. Uh, Easter Island in Chile. Uh, you know, there's just many, many interesting places. The Outback in, in uh, Australia. Uh, you know, I've been I've had the great fortune to be able to travel a lot. I've walked through where like the kangaroos are free at the zoo. Does that count as, as being in the outback? Uh, no, <laughs> not quite the same thing. It's amazingly hot and dry. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. All right. I've asked this question before and it gets a lot of interesting answers. If you could go back and meet one person in history, who would it be? Oh, um, I think uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Be very, he'd be very interesting to talk with. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Blow, Mario, and Mike for taking the time to chat today and present this very important information regarding the Addiction Center and the upcoming event at Michigan Theater. Again, if you want to learn more about the event, please visit umaddictioncenter.org. That is umaddictioncenter.org. All right, and once you're done looking up that info, surf on over to headlines to find some incredible featured stories from this past week. For instance, you'll learn about a dermatology resident who helped deliver a baby boy on a transcontinental flight, and you'll see how staff members stepped up to host a wedding at University Hospital 
for a patient with terminal cancer. Find all of that and more at mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. Okay, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. Last episode, we asked listeners, Professor of Internal Medicine Akbar Walji is performing important global health work in which country? The answer is Kenya. Congratulations to a fellow DOC member, Cassie McNulty, who will win this week's contest. Now for the new question, Daniel, take it away. All right, this week's question is, Name the dermatology resident who helped deliver a baby boy on a flight from the U- to the U.S. from Ghana. Once again, name the dermatology resident who helped deliver a baby on a flight to the U.S. from Ghana. Of course, you can find the headlines, find the answer in this week's headline story. And once you know it, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for the chance to win a prize. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much again to our three special guests for joining us today. And thanks as always to our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week. 